0: Sometimes I talk about anxiety as like a fire alarm, right? You keep ignoring the fire alarm. It's going to keep going off until you go and stop the smoke.
1: Welcome guys and gals to the Man Talks Podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. On this podcast, we'll talk about purpose, leaving a legacy, being more influential, love, sex, success, and much more. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook – or go to www.mantox.com for other blog posts, videos from our live events, and other podcasts. So today I have a special guest. His name is Tim J. P. Collins, and Tim is—I guess you could say—a specialist or an expert in anxiety. We've had a lot of guys reach out in the last little while, saying that they've been going through some transitions in their life, whether it's personally, professionally, in their relationship. Uh, you know, some some guys have had kids come into their life; they've got married. Uh, others have got promoted or lost their job or started a business or are looking at retiring. And all of this comes with a certain level of stress and anxiety. So this is what Tim really specializes in. So Tim J.P. Collins helps people overcome anxiety and stress to consider what is possible in their lives. Tim's approach isn't just about coping. It's about moving past anxiety and fear to live the life that you are destined for. Tim worked in the corporate world as a vice president for over 15 years, so he's very well versed with the business space. He ultimately decided that this wasn't really for him and that he was drawn towards supporting others in a much more intimate level. He's drawn towards helping people to live anxiety and stress-free while going big in their lives. Tim has also spent time in the entrepreneurial and real estate fields starting a business with his wife in 2007 in their spare time, which went on to be a brand name in the infant market and was acquired in 2015. Tim is the creator and host of the Anxiety Podcast, and each week he interviews people that have stories that you'll be able to relate to. These interviews are raw, real, and vulnerable, and people share what's really going on for them. Tim believes that the more out of alignment we are in our lives, the more anxiety and stress will show up. So he really looks at the bigger picture when working with clients. So today, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. We're going to dive into what causes anxiety, how it comes up, what to look for within yourself, within your personal life. You know, maybe there's signs of anxiety that are already there. And then we're going to talk about the tactical ways that people can actually deal with these stresses and anxieties. And we're going to talk about some of the the coping mechanisms, not coping mechanisms, but, uh, you know, how to actually deal with, with anxiety in your life if it's showing up in the different areas of your life. And uh, Tim's going to give you some really, really valuable resources. So without any further delay, I would like to introduce Mr. Tim J.P. Collins. All right, Tim, thank you so much for coming back on our podcast. Um, I'm really excited to have you here. And I know that our community is really excited to have you here uh, to, to kind of jam on anxiety and overcoming stress and, and your, your personal story. So welcome.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Awesome,
1: my friend. So I found a quote that you have online and it says, anxiety is not a life sentence. It's a sentence from your autobiography. Why mm. is this important to you? Why, why? How did you come up with this?
0: Well, I just think that um, I think anxiety, when we're in the midst of it, when we're going through stressful times in our lives, it's all encompassing. It's so we think about it consumes our every thought. It consumes every waking moment. And for a lot of people who have anxiety, as I did they kind of think about it like a survival mode. So it's like, if I could just get through today, then I'll be all right. And so you're living very much kind of just scraping through by the skin of your teeth, or at least that's what it feels like. But my job and my responsibility and what I feel like I'm an advocate for today is to show people what's possible and to show people what is potentially awaiting them in the future. And what I've experienced both in my own life and other people that I've been around and worked with is that once we kind of cross over the threshold into the other side, and we start to overcome this stuff, we have this ability to look back on it with a bit, uh, with a bit of fondness, which sounds ridiculous to talk about anxiety with fondness. But we look back on it as for me, you know, if I didn't have a massive panic attack, followed by a couple of years of anxiety, which forced me to make some very difficult changes in my life, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the life I do today, I would never have woken up so to speak i would never have known what was possible in my life i still would have been working in the it sales job trying to hit the targets going through the motions doing all that stuff because uh the pain wouldn't have been bad enough you know i love the old uh i love the old story with the two old guys sat on the front step of their house and one of one of them has a dog and the dog lays down on the nail, you know, his friend says, when's your dog going to move? It's laying on the nail. And he said, he'll move when it gets, when the pain gets bad enough. And so for some people, the autobiography bit is essentially saying that, you know, that that's the pain in your life. And we often need that pain to be able to see what's possible and make the required changes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. I have this saying that is, uh Shit is the best fertilizer sometimes to help us grow, right? Just like in yeah. nature. it's it's the best fertilizer for growth. And it, it, I think I think the reason why uh, personally, and i'm I'm sure that our our audience would would resonate with this. But for me personally, why I like your quote so much, is that you know we you're not sitting in that space, right? It's just that it's a sentence in your autobiography. It's not the entire thing. It's not going to define mm. your autobiography. And even for you, somebody who's made this his life work, this isn't something like does Do you feel like anxiety defines you or defines who you are or defines your day-to-day life?
0: No, I just see it as my, like I'm a, I'm, I love helping people and anxiety just happens to be my conduit. It could be something else, but that it's my way to tell a story, to impact people, to give them hope and, uh, to show them what's possible in their lives. And just, uh, Last week, I interviewed one of my listeners who um, kind of a good little story to illustrate this point is this lady is, I'm not sure of her exact age now, but she's been suffering with extreme anxiety for 35 years of her life. It came on when she was 20. So let's say she's 55. And throughout periods of that time, she did have children, but she went through periods of losing her job, ending her marriage, having severe agoraphobia, meaning she couldn't leave her house. But now through you know engaging in the work and doing some of the things that we talk about she has changed her life so much so that a couple of weeks ago she went to a kaiser chief's concert in england in the middle of a forest and said she didn't feel any anxiety any anxiety at all the whole time so she's a perfect example where the you know maybe it wasn't a sentence maybe it was a chapter in her autobiography that was about anxiety but it's not the end of the story like sh- she's moved past it And I think the biggest thing for people who are feeling anxious today or just discovering anxiety for the first time is to say that this isn't the end. It's actually the beginning.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, I think it's a hugely important topic. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to bring you back on here is is actually because this has been coming up in some of our mastermind groups quite a bit and and some of the guys that are a part of the Man Talks mastermind uh, here in Vancouver and in Toronto. This has been a pretty hot topic, you know, because I think for a lot of people that are very successful. And this is very similar to your story from what I know. But, you know, people kind of get a certain level of success in their life and they build their careers and they build their life. And all of a sudden... You know, they have the, the, the wife and the kids and, you know, the really high paying job or, or just the very stressful job and very busy day. And all of a sudden they feel anxiety start to creep in. And it was, a, it's been a pretty hot topic the last month for some of the guys in, in the, in the mastermind group. And there's a lot of questions around how do we deal with anxiety? How, you know, how does one overcome it? Or is it something that's always there in the background? And so we're going to definitely dive into some of those pieces. Um, but now that mm-hmm. we know what you do, I wanted to kind of give our listeners a, a little sense of why you do it. So I would love for you to tell us a, an interesting and somewhat maybe unknown story about yourself as a kid that has kind of made you into who you are today.
0: Yeah. So I, when I was a child, and I haven't prepared for this story. So I'm, this is just coming straight out of the old memory bank. But When I was a child, I I always liked helping people. That was just a thing for me. I never knew. You know, I always joke, if you said to me, I'm going to be an anxiety coach, it's not like uh, some sexy career that you go after. It just happened. It just happened to be something I was drawn to. But when I was probably 11 or 12, I joined the St. John's Ambulance in England, which um, I think St. John's Ambulance is everywhere, but I was essentially going to... You know, the ice skating rink on a Friday night, and I would go to uh, mower Car Racing on a Sunday, and we would provide first aid services to people. And I just always loved being of service to people. It's just in my bones. Like even today, I love I love being the one to cook the dinner at nighttime just because I like serving people. I like producing things and seeing people kind of get results and get happiness from it. So one of the interesting stories though is that. When I started out in this St. John's Ambulance thing, one of the huge benefits, one of the big payoffs of this is that I used to go and be able to watch the professional ice hockey team in the town I grew up in, which were called the Swindon Wildcats. And I used to be able to sit on the end of the bench next to these massive, you know, six foot something men. Uh Some of them were like Canadian imports, some British guys. But anyway, I I just fell in love with ice hockey through this kind of service model of helping people. And I had a dream that one day I would actually play professional ice hockey myself. So I and I did. I went from being this St. John's ambulance kid, kind of giving people band aids and putting slings on people when they sprained their wrists and stuff. And and one day, many years later when I was 19 or 20, I suited up and played for that team. Um so it was very, very interesting how it kind of went full circle. But Why I do what I do is based around me wanting to help people, why I feel like that or where that came from is my mom is my biggest influence, my biggest teacher. She's a hugely empathetic, you know, uh, serving person who loves helping people is always massively positive and just rubbed off on me in a huge way where I just wanted to make people feel better. That's awesome,
1: man. I love that story. Thank you for sharing. Um, Mm -hmm. Jumping back into the anxiety thing and, and just kind of fast forwarding, I think a, an interesting question that kind of came up for me is what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions about anxiety that's out there today?
0: I don't know. I just think that one of the biggest misconceptions is it, it's that it's, it's negative and it's something that people are kind of, of once you've got it, it's kind of, it's all over. The The big challenge with what I'm trying to do in my work is, is that the, the default response to anxiety is wrong today. Um, And that's part of what I'm trying to change. And I will change over time. But at the moment, it's I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to get some medication. I might see a psychologist. Keep taking the meds and you'll probably feel all right. But the reality is, is that much like, you know, putting a bandaid over a bad splinter or or putting a bandaid over a bad cut in your leg, if you don't address the underlying problem, then it 's not going to fix it you 're just covering it up, and that 's what medication has done for a lot of the people I work with is kind of zombified them where they don 't feel anything they haven 't addressed the lack of alignment in their lives or the disconnection or the the issue they have with the fact that they 're going through the motions and pretending to be the successful dad of three with a good job and money coming in, and everything's great but underneath they just feel this pressure they feel this constant requirement for them to be somebody and it's not necessarily who they are or their core. So you know that would the, the biggest I don't know if that's the answer to the biggest misconception but for one it would be that it's not fixable so just take medication. I would say that it's it's a great opportunity to stop and and, and have a look at what's going on in your life.
1: Mm, nice and when you when you kind of like went through your battle or or not battle but when you went through your period with anxiety like you, you had that time in your life that you were dealing with it um would you say that it was work induced or or can you give our listeners a little bit more just kind of like the 90 second how that kind of came into your life and the, and that that sort of uh trajectory for
0: yourself and how it came into your life yeah I think it was uh you know, a combination of things. So I certainly think that, you know, society and upbringing put me on a track of wanting to do more and be more and, and nothing was ever enough. So it was like, make more money, get a pay rise, get a bigger house, get another car. And I don't think that, that, Kind of uh, insatiable appetite for success ever ends. If you don't ever, you know, if you're not happy underneath, then you'll just keep getting more and more stuff and being more and more responsible. And your handcuffs keep getting bigger and bigger to the extent where you're like, now I have to keep producing 20 grand a month. Otherwise, I can't keep the machine going or whatever the number is. So for me, I think that was part of it. And I think that, you know, I'm a sensitive person. I think. One of the one of the benefits, the upsides of being a sensitive person is, is we have the ability to kind of have this extra sensory perception, and a lot of people with anxiety have this, where you kind of almost feel too much. That's your superhero power, is you feel too much. Um, so that I think I was kind of predisposed to being a sensitive guy, and then all the extra pressure on top, and the kind of lack of taking care of myself, both from a nutrition exercise and and all that kind of stuff, eventually it compounded into, you know, that is how it manifested. That's how it displayed itself.
1: Awesome. Thank you. In terms of like what people can learn from anxiety, like you kind of talked about, you know, how it's just a, a sentence in your autobiography and, and how it's not something that needs to sort of last forever or really define, uh, define people. If there's people that are out there who are dealing, and I'm sure that there's people listening to this podcast right now that are dealing mm. with anxiety. And even in my past, like I've dealt with it too. What do you think is one of the biggest lessons that people can learn from it? Or in your personal experience from working with, you know, countless people, what have you seen, um, you know, people really take away from, from dealing with anxiety and being able to move through it or, or at least manage it properly?
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I came up with another quote before, which is stop coping and start changing. And for, for anybody out there listening to this who has anxiety, stop looking for solutions. Stop looking for like which vitamin or mineral or supplements going to make you feel better or whether Paxil's better than Zoloft or whether meditation, guided meditation is better than Ayahuasca or I don't know, just there's so many. And interestingly, I saw on Facebook the other day in a group I'm in, somebody said, I'm feeling really anxious. What should I do? And it was a big Facebook group and there was 40 different answers. Take this thing, try this, tap on your wrist. Stare directly at the sun. Stroke a dog. Like all all of these, uh, I'm I'm exaggerating. You know what I mean? Like all these different. So, what fixes anxiety? Well, everything does in your life. And what I realized was is that there wasn't a single cure. There wasn't a single fix. There wasn't a single thing. But it was for me to really get to know it, to really understand it, and to take a look at my life and say am I investing in my body on a regular basis? Am I investing in my mind? Am I taking time out for myself? Am I hanging around with people that nurture me and lift me up? Do I live in a place that inspires me? Do I do work that inspires me? And in all of those, you know, places, there are answers, which could be at the root cause of what makes you anxious. But for me, all I can say is that I kind of went on a bit of a blitz and looked at all of my life. And this is what I do with my clients. I don't really take anything off the table. And I certainly don't say to them, try this one thing and come back and talk to me in a week. It's it's really looking at the bigger picture. And I use the car analogy. And I say, like, if you're driving your car, and you don't pump the tires up, and you don't ever get the alignment done, you don't fix the suspension, and you You know, you don't ever do any maintenance to your car. Well, eventually, in a lot of cases, the steering wheel starts shaking. And you could go out and buy a nice big fluffy cover and put it on top of the steering wheel and be like, oh, there we go. Fixed it. It's still shaking underneath, but now I can't feel it. So it's fine. Um, That's medication or whatever your bypassing methodology is. But in reality, and and so the the car is our life and we need to kind of look at the different components of it. And if we get those things in alignment, the steering wheel stops shaking. It just does. It just happens because you're like, well, wherever that stuff came from, I'm taking care of it. And the other thing is that, you know, people who are not predisposed, but a lot of the people I come across who are anxious are very hard on themselves. They're beating the crap out of themselves on a daily basis. They're fighting the anxiety. So... One, on one hand they 're knocking themselves into the other into the ground, on the other side they 're resistant and they 're tense to everything that 's going on and that is the perfect recipe for disaster as far as anxiety is concerned so a lot of this underlying as i 've learned through the evolution of working with this stuff what 's actually going on beneath the surface is Tied to self-esteem, tied to self-worth, tied to confidence. We don't quite feel like we deserve the success we've got, potentially. In my case, that was probably the case. And we, we're not quite fully believing in ourselves. So by doing this peripheral work, by taking a look and by you know working on our bodies, minds, spirits... Emotions and all that kind of stuff, we start to cultivate this little bit of confidence which grows over time. We start off with 1% and it goes to 2% and then it gets to 10%. And we're like, actually, I believe in myself a little bit. I love myself a little bit, just a little bit, and that's enough to get you going. And once you get that momentum, it doesn't mean you're fucking invincible. It doesn't mean that you'll never feel anxious again. It just means that most of the time you're gonna be feeling good. And you've changed your house from it being built on sand to being built on cement cement and concrete and steel girders. So when you do get a bit of a strong breeze, you feel it and you stand up and move on. And,
1: and what kind of role do you feel like avoidance plays in, in sort of like stoking the flames of anxiety? Cause I, I think for a lot of the, the men and women that I've worked with in the past, Whenever there's a large sense of anxiety, there seems to be something pretty major that they're avoiding in their life, whether it's whether it's that piece that you talked about, that they're avoiding this sort of like lack of self-esteem and confidence or the lack of self-belief or, you know, avoiding realizing that they're not happy in their career or that they're not happy with what they're doing. So I'm curious because, you know, this is really like your area. Do you find that avoiding
0: has plays a big role in that as well? Massively. Huge. I mean, so it's like sometimes I talk about anxiety is like a fire alarm, right? You keep ignoring the fire alarm. It's going to keep going off until you go and stop the smoke or you go and turn it off or you go and do something about it. If you don't do anything about it, the fire alarm will keep ringing. In a lot of cases, it'll get louder. And then eventually, it'll force you to do something if you keep avoiding it. So, you know, and, and part of this isn't like a a sales pitch to hire a coach, but sometimes people can't see that for themselves. That's why I worked with mentors. That's why you work with mentors. And sometimes people need to be asked questions and and need a bit of guidance with this stuff. So it's not, I don't want people to think they have to figure out all all on their own because I didn't figure it all out on my own. But yeah, if, if you're trying to be the swan on the lake and make everything look amazing whilst under the water, you're struggling like crazy, it doesn't last forever that can't go on you're going to pay a price for that
1: Mm, nice that's a
0: that's a really really good way of putting it so so let's
1: talk about some like sort of practical or tactical tools that people can use like like you mentioned before there's there's sort of a plethora of Resources out there on anxiety. I'm sure if people Googled anxiety or dealing with anxiety, there would just be a shit ton of results that come up. And since this is kind of like your area, and you've you've gone through it before, and and you're kind of like you know the quote unquote expert, even though I, I I dislike using the word expert for things, but I feel like it's like one step away from guru. So we're not going to call you the the anxiety guru. But because you're sort of like the expert in this field. And there are so many resources out there. What are some tactical things that, you know, our listeners out there who are feeling really stressed out or who are just overwhelming feeling that sort of anxiety, whether it's, you know, a 10 out of 10 on the scale or whether it's a 3 out of 10 and they just want to kind of calm their nerves. What are Mm. some things that they can kind of do today or tomorrow to, to really take action on this?
0: Yeah, so basics. So I kind of start off with the foundational approach, like the fundamentals, and then I move on to sort of the the cognitive piece in the middle, like how do we interpret and have a conversation with our anxiety. Um, But I'll run through some of the fundamentals first. So diet, funnily enough, has a a lot to play with it. So what we eat, what we consume, what we drink. Um, I use the analogy cat's which I'm allergic to cats, so it applies literally as well for me. But um, cats stands for caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, and sugar. Um, So if you're somebody who's got a sensitive nervous system, and you are down in double espressos, then that may have an effect on you. For some people, it doesn't. And the other day, I was talking to Dave Asprey, and, and he tells me it's to do with the amount of mold in the coffee. But First thing you can do is kind of cut it out or cut it down and see if that impacts you. Obviously, alcohol, hangovers, if you've got anxiety, you're 10 times worse. They just are because you, the, the, an average person feels paranoid. We feel like, you know, the world's coming to an end. So that's another thing you've got to check in with. Tobacco, nobody smokes anymore anyway, right? So that one's good. <laughs> and, then, and then sugar because, you know, when we consume high sugar foods, we have... Uh, as people talk about the sugar high and the sugar crash. Well, for a lot of people, that type of internal feeling can mimic anxious feelings and can increase heart rate and all that kind of stuff. So those are kind of good things to avoid in terms of things that you can do on a daily basis. People talk about morning routines these days, like they're going out of fashion. But one of the first things that is important for, for anybody suffering with anxiety is to Consider putting themselves first in their own life for a change. And because, again, another very classic trait of an anxiety sufferer is being a people pleaser. So we put everybody else's benefit or everybody else's kind of uh, feelings in front of our own. We end up in last place and then we get last place. Uh, that's just kind of the way it works. So I encourage people to consider things like um, a guided meditation in the morning and to do some journaling and to do a daily walk. Myself, the first thing I do, I get out of bed, I drink a glass of water and I go for a walk. That's my commitment. Now, sometimes that walks 10 minutes to the stop sign and back. And other times, as I did the other day, I walked all the way down to the ocean, which is probably a couple of miles away, went for a swim in the sea and then walked home again. It just depends how much time I've got. But just the commitment to doing it, on a consistent basis is huge. Um, Another one which I've been playing with for a while now, which is slightly obscure and a little bit different, but I'm researching it more and more and finding more and more benefits for it is to take cold showers. Um, There's the the concept of the mammalian dive response so that when we immerse ourselves in cold water, it actually increases our ability to handle stress. Um, So it has a direct correlation to stress resistance. But also, I think one of the the kind of subliminal things going on is that with anxiety, we have to be prepared to get uncomfortable occasionally to stand in the kind of glow of anxiety and be able to convince ourselves or believe in ourselves enough that we can deal with those moments of adversity. So sometimes if you stood there at six o'clock in the morning looking at a stream of cold water and you're going to step into it, well, you're being, you're being prepared to get uncomfortable on a regular basis. And that says something. Um, it's certainly been a big help to me for people who are Yeah. And if you, if you ever heard of Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method and all that kind of stuff and, um, Tony Robbins, I saw on the Tony Robbins documentary the other day, he takes a cold plunge in 55 Fahrenheit water every morning. So, um, this is a, this is a thing. Um, and it's, it's good for stress. So if you're starting out, you can, uh, Start with a hot shower and have a wash and stuff and then just crank it to 30-second increments of alternating between the two. And then when you get brave, you can just step into a cold shower straight off the bat. So yeah, that's a couple of uh, a couple of practical things to, to think about. And then on my website, if you go to um, anxietypodcast.com or timjpcollins.com, there's a free tab. And if you go there, then there's more of the cognitive things available. So I have like an audio, I have an ebook that people can get access to a webinar series, these are all free things. Um, And they'll walk you through how to actually lean into the anxiety and how to start to embrace it instead of fighting it. And that's another, like I said, there isn't one thing that fixes it. But these things in combination really work for people.
1: Nice, man. Those are all really, really good points. And on the, on the topic of the Wim Hof thing, I've actually been doing that for about six months and it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, with the, with the cold showers, like I, I, you know, I always kind of thought it was a big joke, um, doing like the ice bath immersion and the, and the cold water stuff, but doing that amount of, um, doing that amount of like breath work and then kind of not shocking your system, but surprising it gently mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. really makes a huge difference. And I know one of the guys in one of our mastermind groups um, has been struggling quite a bit with anxiety. And in one of the sessions we did Wim Hof and did the breathing and that kind of stuff. And and he's been following through with it and it's really, really helped uh, his anxiety a lot. So uh, mm. if you're out there, I would definitely go back and write some of those things down that Tim just said because they are super, super helpful. Um, yeah. And definitely check out his website because there's some really good tools. I, I checked it out today as well. So, yeah, awesome, my friend. What does legacy mean to you? And, and you know, this it's very clear what you're up, up to in the world and very clear what your mission is. But what legacy do you want to leave behind in the world?
0: You know, I mean, on a personal note, it would be around my children and and kind of giving them the innate confidence to be able to do whatever they want in the world instead of following what society prescribes for them. And I think I'm doing that just by living my own life. Um, in terms of the work I'm doing, I mean, fundamentally, I want to shift people's engagement with anxiety. I've, I'm merely scratching the surface in terms of my own capabilities and my impact that I can have on this community. And people's default is still to go to the doctor um, and still to take medication. And I just want to interrupt that and get the message out there that there's alternative ways that you know that as i've talked about the change the alignment these different kind of tactics and strategies that people can use to to not just Stop feeling anxious because it's not like a broken arm where you get a cast and, and then it's fixed. It's it's about like, here's a beautiful opportunity to potentially change your life. So legacy for me would be would be able to make enough noise that somebody who found out they got or had their first panic attack tomorrow could actually get to the work and uh, find out there's an, another route for them.
1: Awesome. That's a really good legacy. And and in terms of, it's just to kind of back up the train there, you, you kind of touched on the medication part and this has kind of come up before. You know, for the people that you work with and for the people that you meet that are struggling with anxiety, I think a big question for a lot of people in and around stress and anxiety is, you know, do I go and get medication or are there alternative ways? And you know, you've kind of outlined some of those alternative ways for people to to manage it and and move through it and lead into and overcome it but you know let's just talk about the medication part of it very very openly like where where do you stand on it first and foremost
0: i say no say no to drugs um <laughs> stay in you school know, I, be cool I, yeah i work with people who are on medication i'm not saying i don't take clients who are on medication you know some people have already got on it and it's working for them but you know 99 times out of 100, it makes people feel worse or the side effects aren't worth it or there's something else going on and they're just they're just not enjoying that experience. Um, and the more I learn about this and the more my own work evolves, the more reasons I'm seeing that, that people shouldn't do that and they should, you know, uh, exhaust all other approaches before they go to that. I mean people and a lot of it just comes down to like people aren't prepared to put the effort in um overhauling your diet fitness you know regimen and life is way more work than it is to pop a pill every day but it's lasting it's healthy you're going to feel better you're going to be better and and that's where the real results lie a lot of the work i've been getting into lately in terms of my own research has been around inflammation from a dietary point of view like inflammation from gluten from wheat from dairy and you know it's well publicized by doctors and scientists around brain inflammation for things like alzheimer's um and dementia but it's starting to come into play where people like actually this is affecting depression and anxiety as well and you know if you're filling your face with with sugar and and not taking care of your diet, and you're feeling anxious all the time. Then there's a good chance that that's a significant factor in it. Hmm. Awesome, awesome, I love it. Well,
1: before we wrap up here, I have some rapid fire questions for you. You ready for them? Yes, they're they're a ton of fun. I promise. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, what is the one experience
0: that you would recommend to anyone, and why? Ooh, one experience. One of my favorite things is rollerblading in the dark. <laughs> What? Yes. <laughs> Why? I mean, obviously, you want to be safe. So if you can't rollerblade very well, then fine. But one of my favorite, honestly, one of my favorite memories, um, wife, when I first started dating her, I used to go and visit her on the other side of the town I lived in. And I'd take my rollerblades because I didn't have a bike and I would skate home at like one in the morning down, you know, down sidewalks and streets and just that. I don't know. It's kind of like, so, I mean, I'm a big hockey fan, but just the so liberating to skate along at nighttime with the cool summer breeze in your hair and just freedom it just feels good. Awesome. That makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what is the most underrated trait in your opinion for modern day
0: success? Mm, that's a good one. Real honesty. Mm. Like the truth. Awesome. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of like alleged truth out there, but the real, real honesty is where it's at. Awesome. Thank you. Um, thanks for your honesty.
1: What, what is the one book that you would take with you if you were stranded on a desert island?
0: Oh, books. <laughs> the encyclopedia, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How to start a fire or something. Yeah. One of them, I mean, st- I still go back to the four hour work week. Uh, I learned so many lessons from that book about... And one of my big things which I've implemented and I'm about to go into implementation overdrive is to have freedom in your life. And every decision I make, whether it was written in that book or whether that book just got me thinking more about it, but everything I do in my life now that requires me to be fixed in a physical location or tied to a specific schedule, I really question and, and push back against that. Nice. Yeah, I think... I mean, I definitely got the same sort of feeling out of that.
1: But I, it's, it's a phenomenal book. And I think a lot of people have gotten a, a ton out of it. If you were stranded on a desert island, what is the one movie that you would take?
0: Uh, this is a, another bit of an obscure one. Uh, my favorite movie is called White Men Can't Jump.
1: Mm, nice.
0: <laughs> I don't know why. I just love that film. <laughs>
1: that's, that's a really obscure one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Going back to your corporate days, what is the single biggest lesson that you learned from working in the corporate world?
0: God, these are tough questions.
1: Sorry, buddy. Um,
0: <laughs> that people who make loads of money aren't happy.
1: Mm. Nice. The myth necessarily.
0: Yeah, necessarily.
1: The uh, myth prom- of the corporate world. Prom- 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 not. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is the most influential person of all time, and why?
0: I mean, on a on a worldwide scale, I think it, for me it would be like Gandhi, on the basis that he didn't he didn't need any anything to have massive influence. Nice. Uh, who's been the most influential person in your life? Good old, this is actually an easy one, finally. Um, <laughs> a guy that you know well, Philip McKernan. Hmm. Um, he's kind of, he he was influential in some of my changes and just w- happened to ask me very good questions at the right time. Nice, nice, my friend.
1: All right, well, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Man Talks podcast. Uh, definitely check out mantalks.com for more podcast blog posts. And any videos from our events, which are which are launching as we speak, Tim, where can they find you? Give us, lay us all of your social media handles. Just lay it on us.
0: Yes. So as I said, the website is Timjpcollins.com. dot com on social. It's just Tim J.P. Collins. So Facebook forward slash Tim J.P. Collins, Twitter, Instagram, same. So do that friend me and let's chat if you have questions or feedback or I also have a really cool Facebook group for my for my peeps for my community which is just called Facebook uh, I don't know groups or something but it's less anxiety more life it's basically the Facebook group so if you search that you'll find me but uh, yeah I love to connect with people online Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you very much.
1: And for all the listeners out there, don't forget to subscribe through iTunes so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this podcast because it helps a long way. uh, And man it forward, hashtag man it forward, by sharing it with somebody who you think could use it. Because remember... Um, even though this might not be super applicable to you, maybe it is applicable to you, but I'm sure that you have somebody in your life who has been struggling with a little bit of anxiety and stress. So, man it Forward, share it with them. And the last piece that we wanna share with you is we have an event coming up in August 22nd in Toronto and then August 29th in Miami, uh, which is really exciting. And those events will be launching soon, so stay tuned for those. Thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring man.